podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So, Propo, straight off the bat, I want to decree right here, right now, we are going to start and build on the SBK Edge Rush commandments. Okay? Mm -hmm. You with me so far? These are indelible, set in stone, cannot ever be changed. Okay? Rules and regulations, fundamentals for this show. Yeah. I am never, ever, ever, ever again in my life betting and backing either Baker Mayfield or Kirk Cousins. <laughs> okay, yeah. and They could be the same commandment. <laughs> and, uh, shout out to Mike McCartney, Kirk Cousins agent, the best agent of sports entertainment. That's number one. Number two, you are never allowed to refer to Crystal Tom Collins as saucy Crystal Tom. Oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Do uh, I have to agree with these? Well, you can discuss it. We can debate it. We can maybe even put them out to our listeners. Yeah. It can help build. Maybe they've got some ideas for other edicts that should be part of the SPK edge rush commandments. But Definitely locked in, never back in Baker or Kirk Cousins ever again. I don't care how compelling it is. I'm not going there ever again. Just paint the picture for me a little bit and paint the picture for our listeners because mm. I, you know me, I've started working uh, on the breakfast show for TalkSport recently. So I've been having to go to bed a lot earlier and I was only able to watch the highlights in the 40 minute version when I got home on Monday. I was unable to watch the game. What? was the scene inside the Nakloon household <laughs> and what did it feel like as you sort of witnessed the Vikings deteriorate in front of your eyes and they literally made from what I saw Nat Daniel Jones look like prime Tom Brady yes they did that was the most impressive part of the, of the Vikings performance it, it I mean all, exceptional that we have Never, not not just never seen this from Daniel Jones. Didn't think it was possible. <laughs> Didn't think it was possible. <laughs> With and respect to the, because you've got to be careful what we say. Because the Giants are great, and this it, these are pro athletes that in the Giants' case have been stepping up pretty much all season long. But it's fair to say one of the weaker receiving cores in the NFL, mm-hmm. right? Diplomatically speaking, definitely. My God, uh, you know how? And answer to your question. Oh, have you seen some of the? comments in recent days from Derwin James saying in 25 years of playing American football, he's never had a feeling like the one he has right now. That's kind yeah. of close to how I felt. Really? After Kirk Cousins on fourth down. No, I'm exaggerating. It wasn't necessarily a bad beat. The Vikings were just no, exactly. awful. It wasn't a bad beat. It's a great point. Yeah. It, would, it would have been, um, yeah, The well, I've had in my illustrious gambling career some Bad ones. just very, this season yeah this yeah season, very similar to what went down with the charges so you're right it's a, it's a fair shout that is a closer analogy but yeah they would that that's the worst thing about it they were just lackluster i mean i i get it all of we talked a few weeks ago didn't we about the over analysis um getting your head swayed by the sharp trend mm. and uh and i said at that point I'm, I'm going you know with with what my gut feel is i really felt that the giants um Time had run out for uh, offensively, despite the obvious inefficiencies of this Vikings defense. And and that was rattling around all week long. They're 28th in defensive DVOA. And nah, nah, nah. I just thought Hawkinson would milk them to death because, and, and look, which he, he did. Good, yeah. Yeah. A decent game. 
and the Giants, I knew that was going to be a weakness. I didn't think they'd be able to keep up. And I thought three was was dangerous line that it is a decent number. I thought this was the time the Vikings would show there. Prove their metal and the Giants would be found out. So bad uh, break for me on that one. You, the My favorite thing about it. I know, I was about to say the best break of all time. You go. Okay, so you, of course, backing... Uh, what did he get the line at? So I got the line at under 42. And that's then, right, yeah. And this is, I have to say, there is it's a little bit bittersweet for me, this, mm. uh, my Drew Lock coming in, because mm. if anyone was listening on a Sunday or the Saturday night, they might not have got the number and they might have lost the bet. And that would be very frustrating. I always feel like if you miss the number, it's a rarity that the number actually hits exactly. But mm. in this scenario, we it did actually hit. And I would like to hope that the majority of the time that Nat takes my drew lock of the week and backs me <laughs> considering that i am in the green this season i you have are. moved to what 12 and 7 uh, well, on the season so yeah doing uh having a uh, success a much better I, year than i yeah exactly and then uh i get a message monday morning <laughs> from nat being like vikings can't believe it absolutely fuming but really chuffed because i had the dolphins with the money uh with the points and also yep. the over in the baltimore uh, Cincinnati game and I was like okay great yeah Nat obviously very modest as always but uh, <laughs> I had the under as my Drew Lock of the week what mm. number did you get the over at because you were celebrating it you said over yeah. 40 and a half and I said yeah. well, I got it under yeah. 42 Amazing. and so we both hit <laughs> which must be like the chance of that happening are so slim I love and it. especially to me and you, I would expect it to go like the opposite way around. I'm not sure if it's possible. I would expect that to happen to us. <laughs> or the fact that yeah, we both yeah. win is absolutely remarkable. But yeah. In that so... Fashion. so just to be on that, it was great. It was perfect symmetry. And I do listen to your propo and, and I do back your Drew Locks most of the time. But I, I I was quite big on the over at 42, right? But because you had it as your Drew Lock, that put me off. They've only really got about five minutes to game time. And I thought... I'd had a, my, ironically, maybe not the predictably, uh, my Drew Lock not coming in, notwithstanding, had a pretty good weekend, right? Uh, we did. Uh, both of our consensus picks on Edge Rush, me, you, and Crystal Collins, yep. all picking the Niners, mm-hmm. all picking the Jaguars, albeit mm-hmm. that Jaguars bet was not necessarily. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'll take <laughs> uh, it. Do you know what's funny about that as well is the mm. fact that. Uh, when they went for two. I mean, I know they won the game outright in the end and you took it money line. Mm. But uh, having it at plus two and a half, the smugness that I was feeling when they went for two and they got it after that penalty on the field goal. And then they obviously got went from the one yard line and they got it. Mm. And honestly, Nat, I should have been calling that game. I know you and Carlson touched on it in the brilliant review show. Go and check that out. It's in the vault. But I mean, Al Michael's call for mm. that, mem- that moment and that play was so flat. Whereas if you'd cut to me in my flat by myself, my flat <laughs> asleep, yeah, I was absolutely losing it at that point. It I told in. you I was going to end up staying, <laughs> staying up for it. Of course, you and were. as soon yeah. as I knew that number two was going to hit, and yeah. there was no real chance of the Chargers. I don't think uh, potentially pushing it. They were going to try and kill the clock as much as they possibly could and try and build a drive with that amount of time left. I was absolutely. Loving it. It was a big uh, prop weekend for me as well. The Trevor mm. Lawrence one didn't come in, but that was because they were chasing the game for so long. But um, even though they took Jefferson away, he still had seven catches and the number was at over six and a half. So that's why there was so much value on that. He had a bad mm. game and you still covered that number. But it was, in a season full of unders, the highest uh, over was five and one. And the only under that actually hit, this is at a time of um, at the game. The Cowboys, line. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Cowboys, the Cowboys, Bucks, Bucks, which was yeah. half a point. 
and, and for missed extra points. And for missed extra points, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of over. That's that's a natural look. In an alternate reality, did you back the over? Look. I didn't. I didn't go near oh, it. I, I back no. the Bucks because we, we we both called yeah, the Bucks. That was I another, had the Bucks as well. We both had the Bucks. I didn't. I didn't really go big on the Bucks. I was kind of skeptical, but I did go. I did go there, but I didn't back the. I didn't back the over. Thank God. Um, I actually not, didn't go as hard on the Bucks as I thought. Because I told you on Saturday night, we're obviously doing the show live on Talksport Two. Mm. We did the. Um, I can't even remember which game we did now. <laughs> Seahawks 49ers. <laughs> was it that compelling? It was great radio. Yeah. I know we're doing Jags, Chiefs live on TalkSport 2 this weekend, Saturday, 9 o'clock. So we've got to plug sure for that in early. Yeah, nice. We were doing that game and me and you obviously have some time and we throw to comms to chat about it. And obviously, as hmm. we do, we just basically do an episode of Edge Rush that just isn't recorded. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what we were talking about and I said, everyone's on the Bucks and that just terrifies me. Whenever, whenever... Yeah. I go into a week, and especially when we record these a little bit earlier, and I think I've got the sharp side, and then I suddenly mm. see like Skip Bayless picking it, and Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> and like yeah, Michael yeah, yeah. Strahan, and all of those kinds of people making those picks. I'm always like, oh no, I'm on the wrong side of this. I'm, I'm on yeah. the square side, and I'm getting a yeah. little bit terrified. You get used to be. I'm used to being on the square side. Yeah. <laughs> You're like us. Skip Bayless has picked it. Yeah, I like it. Man. I I great minds. Skip. <laughs> <laughs> great, great mind of Skip Bayless. I think. Something that will rarely connect in a sentence. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was that. That was gutted. If you were for you, if you are on the the over in that in that game. So all in all, a good week, I think, is what we're saying. Uh, yeah. And we will hope to bring you a bit more edge this time around. You know what's really depressing, Propo? We're down to seven games. I know. I know. So we're going to make it count. Do you get at this stage? Do you get ultra degenerate and? 100%. Just, yeah, every... yeah. Well, oh yeah 100% yeah 100% yeah, it's yeah. like 8 bets a game that's why I did yeah. so many prop bets Amazing. I ended up having and this is the degeneracy that I would not encourage be a gamble aware dog mm. I ended up having Gallup, Gallup score a touchdown on uh, <laughs> against the Bucks I had Julio Jones to score a touchdown yeah. against the Cowboys and I had CD Lamb score a touchdown as well and I had them in a combined David oh. Blauder a treble. yeah so i ended up despite having the bucks and losing money on them the props were just flying in um and i was um a travis etienne touchdown away from my biggest winner the probably the season maybe even the last two seasons so oh wow uh, and travis has such a good game as well and maybe yeah I'd maybe him he up. goes on the commandments just for hatred well, forever on. oh hang on really you, yeah okay well you could throw it out there the, can i just so... add hatred for him can i just add mm, travis etienne's would... dead to me I think we're going to put this out to listeners and we're going to let them vote on it. Uh, we're going to maybe put, okay, what we'll do. So I think we're absolutely comfortable with, I'm never, ba- and you can back Baker or Kirk if you want, but this is just me. I'm never backing Baker or Kirk uh, allowed to back them ever again. Right. That That's mm-hmm. the first commandment. After that, we'll put some out. So are we going to, are we allowed to call Crystal Tom saucy Crystal Tom? Cause he sounds yep. like he, if you weren't listening last week, sounds like he should be dancing at the glass slipper in mm. uh, in uh, New Orleans. And Which I ask, think he is. I think he is. He might be in the off season. I mean, because he's <laughs> such an NFL shot. Where does he go to let that his hair? So are we going to allow that? Are we going to allow... Travis Etienne being dead to me? I mean, it's harsh. It's harsh. But if you want... Travis Especially Etienne, considering they come to London every year. Yeah, that's going to be awkward <laughs> in the... Uh, I'll just suddenly be pulled away like oh, oh mate I can't do this I can't do this trick can you do the Travis yeah. <laughs> hi Travis uh, Ollie Thornton it's going to be Wait the Jags minute. it's going to be the Jags Ollie. versus the Steelers and you're going to have to interview Kenny Pickett, <laughs> Kenny Pickett. I'm going to have to interview Travis Hedgehog <laughs> yeah and after it we're just standing there uh, just getting our breath and I'll smoke Mayock. <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, oh. okay so we're going to say Travis Etienne dead to all 
We're yeah. going to have Saucy Crystal Tom. Is that allowed? And we'll find one more before uh, before we finish the show. And we'll put that poll out. Uh, so go and head over. By the time you listen to this, it'll be on there at the NC show. Uh, and vote. And whichever one gets the most votes is the second commandment after no Baker, uh, no Nat, no Nat, no Baker, no Kirk. I think we'll call that one. All right. So speaking of Crystal Tom, he's dropping our buy a bit later on. He is uh, fuming with the bills, but obviously happy that he managed to pull off the acker, the Heineke Taylor Heineke acker. Yeah, that came in. That was good. So he's got another Taylor Heineke acker. He does. Uh, and we're going to get his Drew Lock of the week, of course. His Drew Lock came in too. So he's no, on. didn't. Didn't it? I thought he was no, on the 49ers. he had the Bills minus 13 and a half. Oh, we see. That's why he said on the Bills. Sorry, I thought he was on the 49ers. No, was no, uh, no. Okay. He was on the Bills minus 13 and a half. So he sent me a text about halfway through being like, this would definitely come in if Josh Allen stops making stupid mistakes. And Josh mm. Allen definitely continued to making stupid mistakes. So that may making go on the commandments as well. Making mistakes or that Dolphins defense forcing the mistakes is the way I like to look at it. And is that, just to be clear, I was on the right side of a Crystal Tom Drew Lock of the week. I just want to lay that. Lay that out. That's got to be. I mean, wild. I'm just. I want. I can't That's wait to go head to head. I'm assuming that you're going to give him the same kind of stick that you give me if this happened. One hundred percent, I'll be doing that, and and I will also give that on SBK Edge Extra. Although I did slightly, um, slightly back off because we recorded Edge Rush earlier, of course, than Extra last week, and then Mostert was definitely out, and there were two other. And so on Extra, Tom had said, "Oh, you like this? You like the Dolphins plus 14. 13 and a half, I think, at the time. But I got them at 14 just before kickoff. Mm. Uh, you like them a lot on edge rush. And I said, yeah, that must, it's out. No, there's da, da, da. No, me, I'm not so sure. But I took him. I stuck to my guns and and it paid off. And I, yeah, I will definitely give him some shit when he comes on. So he's going to drop by in a bit. But we're going to pick three games before that proper, right? So why don't we start with our live game on TalkSport 2, uh, which is the first game of the weekend. Chronology makes a lot of sense around here, I guess. The Jaguars, with that extraordinary second half, comeback from trevor lawrence getting past the charges heartbreaker for la as we established so their reward is a trip to arrowhead where they are eight and a half point dogs on the Mm -hmm. road eight and a half points is the line right now i know in particular you're very big on the total here and for the unders king of plumpson this might surprise a few of our listeners because you like the over right yeah, the over is actually currently at 53. I managed to get it at 52 a little bit earlier. It was actually mm. 51 and a half as well. And it's very interesting because this goes against all of my usual tendencies on this show and when I'm gambling generally on the NFL because I usually mm. try and go with the pros and I usually try and go uh, on the under because I usually think that's where the value is. But in this situation, the majority of the cash is on the under, but the tickets are on the over. Weirdly, mm. though, the numbers going up, despite there being a massive discrepancy between the two, there's a lot of cash flooding in on the under, but the bookies are taking these people on and they are putting that number up with the tickets, mm-hmm. which is a sign. It's a scary sign for those pros because it means we're basically go, they're going head to head and they're challenging these pros and they're saying, we're not going to put this number lower. We're going head to head with you. We think this number is going to go over. And I agree with the bookies in this instance. I think that you've got, two offenses that are significantly stronger than their defenses. And I think that you look at the advantages and the strengths of the defense for the Jags, which is the fact that they can generate pressure. Their D line's very strong with the likes of Josh Allen. The Kansas City Chiefs have one of the best offensive lines in this league. Mm. And I think they'll be able to give Patrick Mahomes the time to throw. And then the secondary for the Jacksonville Jaguars has been weak. We saw that in the first half last week. Yes, they corrected it and they were significantly 
improved in the second half. But I think that a lot of that goes down to the conservative nature of the Chargers and the way that Herbert and Staley kind of fell off a cliff. And Lombardi, obviously the offensive coordinator, who has been fired since that game. I think that that almost lends itself more to the Chargers than it does the Jags and the secondary performance. And I think mm. that Patrick Mahomes and the 345 different receivers that he throws to every single game are going to be able to have a field day Mm. going against this secondary. And then on the other side of the ball, Kansas City's red zone defense has been horrible all season. They've allowed a touchdown on 67% of trips, the second highest rate in the league. And you have one of the most aggressive head coaches on one side of the ball in Doug Peterson. Mm -hmm. I mean, back in week 10, when these two teams played each other, he started with an onside kick. He knows he has to be aggressive to stay level or even to compete with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So I think we're going to see him be aggressive and that lends itself to points, points, points. Mm. Kansas City Chiefs, I mentioned how many receivers Mahomes has been throwing to. You've got the likes of Jarrett McKinnon, who's become a staple. He just seems to score a touchdown every single game. Kadarius Tony's had an extra week to learn his playbook. He looks like he's going to be a key piece in various different ways, whether it's running the ball or receiving the ball. And also you've got the Jacksonville Jaguars, who last week allowed over 100 yards and a touchdown to Gerald Everett. Kansas City Chiefs have been exploiting and utilizing these tight ends with especially Travis Kelsey all season long. And they've been getting a lot of success with these two teams, realistically, and this matchup. I like the Kansas City Chiefs in this spot. I think they're going to win the game. I'm pretty sure about that. But I think the Jacksonville Jaguars will be able to put up points. I think Doug Peterson is going to scheme up a lot of magic for this game going ahead to Arrowhead. I think Trevor Lawrence, realistically, like he looked a little bit shaky against um, the Titans, which was essentially a playoff game as well. He then looked a little bit shaky in the first half a little bit. last week. He had, a, to say the least, hot take. Yeah, 0.0 passer rating in the first half, although I don't think all the interceptions were his fault, but he's managed to get through both of those games in mm. stunning fashion. So I think he's not going to be phased by right. the... Yeah, exactly, by the uh, prospect of going into Arrowhead and I think with this offense, with the way the Kansas City Chiefs defense in the secondary have been playing, I think they'll be able to put up some points as well. I think this is a good matchup for both offenses. So, yes, the number's at 53. It's a very high number. But I think the Chiefs are going to at least put up 35. And I think the Jags can put up 20. Yeah, uh, some really, really interesting points. Are, um, I think the Chiefs will win this. We'll get back to winning comfortably because, as we know, the data suggests that the Chiefs covering against the spread when they're big favorites, seven points plus favorites, uh, doesn't really come off that often. No. But we'll come back to that because I still like it, that data notwithstanding. Looking at a couple of the, just following on for a couple of the points you made, the one of the keys to the game, uh, I was looking at analysis uh, of Mahomes, Look, we don't. We all know the book against the Chiefs, right? You can't blitz them. You can't. You got to mm. get pressure with four. Looking at the success rate of teams that have managed to do that this season, uh, and Mahomes and his numbers as a result. So I want to give a shout out here. Uh, putting this data down was uh, Garrett Podal was the journalist here, yeah, who broke this down uh, in his column, where you're looking at the uh, numbers for Mahomes, right? when you're rushing him uh, with four and not blitzing. Only Mac Jones had more interceptions in situations than Mahomes when pressured without a blitz this season. Mm. Mahomes had six, Mac Jones had seven. So if the Jags can get that pressure and put Mahomes under pressure, then they're going to have a 
better time of it. So then flip that to the Jaguars front, right? They are middle of the pack in terms of how often they blitz. So they're not kind of Giants-esque, crazy blitz level. And yet they're third in the NFL in quarterback press percentage. The only teams that are higher than them, the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, both, of course, getting insane amounts of pressure. The Eagles, in particular, of course, uh, on course of one of the all-time great seasons in, in terms of quarterback sacks. Uh, ranking fifth in pressure rate when not blitzing this season, the Jags. So just to join the dots, way to get to the Chiefs slowing down, get to Mahomes, get pressure without blitzing. Jags are pretty decent at that. So I think that's a really, really interesting slant to this. If you're thinking about the line more than the total here, and you're thinking about whether the Jags will keep this keen, then you might want to weigh in on that. I think that was something that that caught my eye and and perhaps maybe slowed down my haste to take <laughs> to take the Chiefs against the spread. To underpin your argument more as well, this Chiefs secondary you can get at, and I think mm-hmm. I think. The Jags will do that. I think you're spot on with so many of the points that you made. I think Peterson is playing with house money. Lawrence will definitely have drawn a huge amount from the last two weeks. It was a great point that a number of people made on the Titans game essentially as a playoff game. This is something that I was really drilling down on when everyone was getting into it with Brock Purdy last week. And it was, of course, our live game on, on TalkSport 2. Working out whether I thought it was a really hot take trite as Carlson would say, mouth clown kind of angle or whether there was something in it, which is, well, it's his first playoff game. The playoffs are different. So what do we know about the playoffs? They're different because the caliber of opponent typically is going to be at the highest level in the NFL. But it's also everything is on the line. Everything is on the line. And that's the pressure. When you talk to specifically quarterbacks that have been through that process, They say, you know, it's just another game. You're told it's another game. Latterly, quarterbacks have sports psychologists to tell them it's another game and the coping mechanics. But there is definitely a connecting factor with inexperienced quarterbacks in the playoffs and their mental state. So the fact that Lawrence had effectively a playoff game against the Titans and then had my life is falling apart (laughs) against the Chiefs, against the Chargers rather, and 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 turn that around. The confidence he will get out of that performance will, I think, give them a huge amount of swagger in this game to go toe to toe. So to bring it all together, I love your angle. I love your. Is it your Drew Lock of the week? It's not my Drew Lock of the week. Okay, I love your confidence in it. Nevertheless, I will definitely be playing that. Although, as you said, the line is going up and up. So I don't know how how high would you chase it before you get you get out of that. Probably 53 and a half. If yeah, it's 54, okay. I might leave it, as we saw okay. last week. Especially in the playoffs, these books, they know mm. what they're doing. Mm. Okay. The line, quick thing on that, The and I mentioned the, the Kansas City against the spread. So, Kansas City against the spread in conference games this season. Conference games this season, AFC matchups this season. Mm-hmm. What do you think their record is? I mean, they have been atrocious for the past sort of two seasons. Probably, what, three and ten? Two and ten. Oh, two and ten. They are atrocious, especially down the stretch as well. They have been awful against the spread. Um, 
then they just cover in two of their final six games in the regular season. So the Kansas City Chiefs are sort of, and me and you, I feel like this has been a trend that we have kind of focused on a mm. lot in Edge Rush since we sort of started the show. Yeah. And it's always been the Kansas City Chiefs because they're the public darling. Mm-hmm. It's always a good team to bet against. And mm. against this as well, there are some fascinating trends with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are eight and five outright and against the spread as an underdog this season, which is tied mm-hmm. for the most underdog wins in a single season in the Super Bowl era. Doug mm-hmm. Peterson is six and zero against the spread and five and one outright as a playoff underdog. Wow. That is the most playoff games as an underdog by a coach without an egg against the spread loss in the Super Bowl era. This Jacksonville Jaguars team is built to be an underdog from the coach to the players. They know how to go out and win. They know how to go out and cause upsets. Similar to Joe Burrow, who was in his what his second season last year in the way that they played. Mm. He knows how to take sort of the fact that they have this underdog tag and then he knows how to utilize it. Go Peterson knows how to utilize it. And Trevor Lawrence, despite probably never being an underdog before he got to the NFL, seems to have inherited this mindset as well. And mm. that is a great recipe going into this game. Just a word on the line in terms of a projo split. As always, the tickets, they're always going to be on the Chiefs. People are always going to bet on the Chiefs. The cash is on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. Eight and a half now. I won't be as strong as my overplay, but I will be going with the points in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and you know the logic prevails there for sure. I I have a sense that Kansas City will. Well, I think if this if it's one of those games, or if if the I irrespective of what we saw in the wild card, I think if the Chiefs put up a couple of big scores, a couple of scores quickly, put up a big lead quickly. Let's say they get fourteen zip up end of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. I think it could get messy. I think it could be, I, I think they could steamroll. If it's tight, 10-7, seven, seven apiece, seven, maybe even the Jags have a lead in the first quarter, mm, I think that will play out very, very differently in their cover. So I think first couple of minutes, I'll know. And I wonder whether I might have a bit of a sneaky in-game play on that one. If the, if the Chiefs get up early and they look like we, we come, we've come to play, Obviously, the in-play line will change, but I might go go big on that because it'll probably be up to, what, 13 and a half, I guess, if they mm-hmm. score early, something like that. I might take a bit of that, but the over is definitely the play for me in this one. All right. Next up, where should we go next? What game are we doing with Crystal Tom? We're going to do... Crystal Tom, we're going to do the final game. We're going to do the 49ers okay. versus the Cowboys. So let's do a little bit of Giants-Philadelphia Eagles before I go on a rant Ooh. about the Bengals. Oh, okay. Oh, I want to hear... I really want to hear your take on the Bengals for reasons that will become apparent quite soon. <laughs> yeah. um, the... Eagles game is fascinating, right? So a couple of key things going into this outside of the thing we've already touched upon, of course, with Danny Dimes, the new John Elway, we've got Lane Johnson maybe back for Philly. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play, yeah. Huge, of course. But is that offset a little bit by we don't really know where Jalen Hurts is at physically because there seems to be a lot of concern that he is... Not on the injury report, though. Mm, Yes, that's smoke and mirrors. I wonder how... Well, let's drill it down more. How mobile is Jalen Hurts going to be? How much are they going to have design runs for him? How much of that game, that side of his game, is going to be negated with the injury? It's tough to obviously know too much about it, but I think my personal take on this, Nat, is mm. that even if Jalen Hurts, and this goes off a point that Mike Colson made on the review show, which was the most impressive thing about what Dable did last week 
and this Giants defense did was take away Justin Jefferson and take away the biggest strength mm-hmm. of this um, Vikings team. Mm-hmm. And I think they would probably try and do the same with the Eagles this week. I think even if Jalen Hurts is at full mobility, I think their main aim would be to stop him running the ball. And mm-hmm. I think if they were able to take away that, I still don't think that would have necessarily that big of an impact because of the success Miles Sanders can have in this team running the ball, the success that you have with AJ Brown, um, Devontae Smith, who've been sensational all season, both mm-hmm. offering two very different sort of styles of receiver and two different skill sets, but ultimately two that can very much exploit this quite weak Giants secondary. The Giants haven't been very good at stopping the run all season, so I think Sanders can have success there. They've also been horrendous at stopping tight ends. We saw that with Hawkinson last yeah. week and also a couple of weeks before that. So Dallas Goddard mm-hmm. is going to have a big game. He's got back to full fitness and those little throws over the middle, which will be huge for Hurts if he isn't mobile. I think could become very important. And the New York Giants have amazingly moved from this team that they were the antithesis to a public team. Everyone was waiting for them to prove that they were frauds. Everyone Mm. was waiting for that moment where everyone was like, okay, there's the real Daniel Jones. There's the real New York Giants because of how much this team lacks talent and how much this team lacks talent in the receiving core, how much this team lacks talent in the secondary. And the only player who seems to be an absolute star on this team is Dexter Lawrence, pretty much of course, Saquon Barkley as well, but Dexter Lawrence has been incredible this season. Can't wait for that matchup against Jason Kelsey. That's really one for the purists, but that is generally one of the best nose tackles going up against. Oh yeah. And Sirianni said that as well. You see, I mean, he's keyed in on saying, you know, the first thing I'll do is look at the, the, you know, better check in. I'll look at the, you know, key threat on the other side. And I love the fact that he said Dexter Lawrence. I mean, <laughs> it's got to be Dexter Lawrence. It has I mean, to be. Yeah. He was incredible last week uh, in the trenches against the Vikings. But yeah, mm-hmm. so the New York Giants were a the opposite of the public team. And now you would go into this week saying they are the public team. The money and the uh, the tickets and the cash is all on the Giants. They're 14 and four against the spread this season, which is the best mark in the league. Eight and one against the spread on the road. Daniel Jones is 19 and seven against the spread in his career on the road. It's very impressive what Brian Dable has been able to do this season. It's incredible what Daniel Jones has been able to do this season. But I think that the market has adjusted at the wrong time. I think Mm -hmm. we're currently seeing the New York Giants with as much uh, gravitas and as much clout and as much favor as we've seen all season. People are buying into them Mm -hmm. just because they beat a Vikings team, which as we already discussed, were pretty horrendous. Defensively, they were terrible. They were unable to stop Daniel Jones running the ball. They were unable to stop this receiving core. And it's a very different secondary that the New York Giants are going to go up against in this Philadelphia Eagles. Bradbury and Slay have been excellent all season long. And yes, everyone's talking about how the Eagles have given up quite a lot of points in the latter stage of the season. But people are forgetting how good this team was with Jalen Hurts. And people are forgetting Mm. that even if Jalen Hurts maybe isn't as mobile as he was, he still has an incredible connection with AJ Brown, an incredible connection with Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. And if he has Lane Johnson back, he has one of the best defensive lines in the league. And on the other Mm. side of the ball, as you've said, having a record-breaking season uh, in terms of sacking the quarterback, Daniel Jones is not going to be able to have the time and the success that he had last week. Mm. And I'm big on the Eagles now in this spot. I think the Giants. I'm big on the Eagles as well. I, uh, again, brilliantly summarized. I don't think that Giants offensive line is going to be able to handle the Eagles front. I think, look, if they can get Saquon motoring early on and negate that a little bit, sure, I think they're going to have a fighting chance. But the secondary, as you say, is just an altogether different proposition to this Viking secondary. I don't think we're going to see 
it'd be really interesting to see the game plan they roll with offensively where the mm-hmm. day think let's just let's just take it to them just as we did before i suggest he's more of a pragmatist he's more of a situationalist and i don't think they will i think they're really trying to establish saquon they'll get the play action rolling and mm-hmm. they'll try and take those those counter shots i don't think they're going to be able to contend i think the the eagles front will be rolling and sanders is a really key play uh, as well as you say with this to offset if jalen is limited uh, look, the shoulder injury is, I guess the the, the jeopardy factor. If you're going to go in, because I'm going to I'm going to go in on the Eagles quite big. The jeopardy factor is, of course, when a quarterback is coming into this situation with an injury of that type, they will target it. They will target him. But I don't think that should force your hand not to roll the dice here. I mean, it's I don't. Where are you in that spot when you know that there is a banged up quarterback? that is one hit away from every player's one hit away from going out of a game. But you get my point. Are you, do you tend to be more cautious about backing it? Uh, I think it depends on the situation. And I think when you look at these two teams, I'm convinced enough and confident enough that everywhere else on the field, the Eagles will dominate the giants that I think Mm. I'll still be confident in taking this number and I still Mm. back the Eagles to cover the spread because of the fact that in the trenches, I think the Eagles are going to have a complete field day. I think if you look Mm. at the secondaries, you look at the receiving calls, I just think the Eagles are comfortably a better team than this Giants team. The Eagles are the number one seed for a reason. They've been incredibly impressive throughout the regular season. Nick Sirianni is one of the most underappreciated coaches in the league, I think. They deserve all the plaudits they get considering what they've done in free agency, considering what they've done in the draft. And I am fully convinced that they should comfortably beat the Giants in this, in this spot at the same time, if you're a little bit apprehensive because the Giants have been very good at keeping games close throughout the season, they've been excellent as an underdog, especially throughout this season so far and notoriously historically in the playoffs as well, going back to the Eli days, mm-hmm. then maybe just tease the Eagles down, maybe tease them with the Chiefs. We both expect the Chiefs to win. We both expect the Eagles to win. So maybe there's a money line mm-hmm. acker. You can put them if you think the Bills are going to be the Bengals, if you think the 49ers are going to be the Cowboys, or you just tease them down, shave a couple of points off because... Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs and the Eagles are definitely better teams than their opposition this weekend. So they should win, but obviously they're a little bit big numbers. So if you prefer that play, maybe go with that. Yeah, that, I mentioned to see what a, what a double would be on that as well. We can maybe work that out in a mo. Are you worried about the Giants against the spread this season as a, as a dog? I mean, they've been a dog in many, many games this season, of course, particularly the, the first six, seven, eight games of the season. 11 and two against the spread as dogs. As I said, the reason why I'm not is because I think that that was during during the regular season. Was it not? The narrative was completely week in, week out. How bad is this Giants team? How are they winning? How are they covering the spread every single week? It made absolutely no sense. And it probably took till about week 14 till everyone mm. started thinking, okay, maybe we should start believing in this Giants team a little bit more than we have been. Maybe Daniel mm. Jones is working better under Brian Dable. And maybe Brian Dable's magic isn't fluky. Maybe he's actually just created a great chemistry here and a great game plan. And he's just an excellent coach getting the best out of quite a talentless roster. Mm. However, I think the net, this number should be around 10 now. I think mm. this number should be bigger. I think the Eagles, when you look at it across the board, when you look at the performances this season, the only real impressive teams in the NFC this season have been the Cowboys, 
the Eagles, and the 49ers. Those are the only three teams who have been impressive. I, we really didn't need the Giants, the Vikings in the playoffs this season, the Seahawks. They were unnecessary. Carlson's been saying that all season long. And I think the Eagles will demonstrate that this weekend. And mm-hmm. yes, I could be wrong. And it'll be an incredible story if the Giants go and win and make it to the conference championship game. But logic and rationale suggests that the Eagles are too good for this Giants team. And I think that people might overthink this and say, because mm-hmm. we've seen it all season long, the Giants cover as dogs and because they've been so impressive and they've surprised so many people. But I think the Eagles, this is a playoff game. They've had a week's rest. This is a, yeah, this was right. a banged up team. This was a banged up team. And that's the reason why they weren't as impressive going down the stretch. They've had a week off. That is huge. They've effectively had two weeks off. That is huge. Yeah. 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 I, I, look, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, ta- I'm taking the Eagles. Uh, the tease is a good shout as well as maybe it's a secondary play, but Close to my Drew Lock of the Week, but not my Drew Lock of the Week. Love that. Do you have any feeling on the total, either way? Uh, if I'm going, I'm going to go over. I'm mm. a bit scared now because I won't lie. Five and one for the over last mm. week would mean I'd just be smashing all the unders. You know, mm. when uh, when you have that thing, you're expecting a market correction. Mm-hmm. But I just think that we've ended up in a playoff race where you have all of the best offensive teams pretty much in it. And some of the teams aren't necessarily playing that well defensively. It looks like they've had more injuries on the defense than they have on the offense. And Mm. especially the Saturday games, I think you're looking at, I think the Eagles could put up 35 points on the Giants. I think Mm. the Eagles are going to put 35 points up on the Giants. And I think the Chiefs are going to put 35 points up on the um, Jacksonville Jaguars. And that makes it very hard for both those games to go under. To go under. What is the total in this? Uh, 48 and a half. half. Okay. So I probably will be leaning towards the over. I'm going to stay up for it. I stayed up Mm. last week. Yes, I'm working at whatever time on Mondays and Tuesday mornings. Who cares? But it's just, exactly. It's, life's too short. I'm too excited. And I get home after we did that show. So I had a bit of an adrenaline rush and I was just too excited. Even though, and I also just felt it. I felt so proud of myself because obviously I could have gone to bed. It was 24 nothing or something, wasn't it, mm. in the first half. But I was like, it's the Chargers. Yeah. So all I did was get really annoyed that I didn't bet the Jacksonville Jaguars money line at that yeah. point. Because I was telling myself, oh like, my God, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. the Chargers. But I'd already had quite a lot invested time. in plus two and a half. So, you know, you don't want to necessarily double down in that double spot. Down. And I, I definitely 60-0. <laughs> if I wasn't doing dry January and it was 2 a.m. and I'd had about six beers, I would have doubled down. Did you, um, did you see what the odds were? At that stage? No, I didn't see what the odds were. But do you know the moment where I realised that the charges might come back? And bless yeah. him, obviously, friend of the show. But Neil Reynolds started comparing the game to, I think it was a Dan Marino last playoff game. Yeah. where he lost like 62-7. 60, yeah. 62-7. He compared it to that and he said, this is going to get really ugly for the Jacksonville mm. Jaguars. And I was like, that is the biggest commentator's <laughs> curse I've ever heard in my entire life. And no as deal. soon as he said that, I was thinking, he's saying that, but this is the Chargers. This is a Brandon yeah. Staley-led Chargers. You've met the I Chargers, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to blow out this Jags team 62-7. So, Staley's, um, Staley's uh, keeping the gig, of course. And um, yeah, and Lombardi's been thrown under the bus there. Yeah. Joe Lombardi fired. That's... um. Interesting theory on this that with Staley, because he was so reckless and carefree early on in his head coaching career that that has played on his mind now and he's reverting and it's just basically lost his identity uh, and has lost his way as a result. That was bizarre what happened in the second half of that game. It made absolutely no sense. You know, it's his fall has been fascinating because I remember not so long, it might have even been before the start of this season, was it friend of the show, the uh, X's and O's guru, Ollie Connolly, Gridiron Editor, was, I mean, he's always been pro Staley, right? And begging up Staley's offensive prowess. But I think, no, it's defensively, though, isn't it? Defensively, he's a mastermind. That's what he did in 
with the Rams. He was excellent as the defensive coordinator for the Rams. Mm. And he, we saw that last week. We saw what he did in the first half. That was all him and his defensive scheme. But it just seems like he he the problem is he seems to fit the pre-existing narrative of the Chargers where when it really comes down to it, he doesn't seem to like have the decision-making ability to mm. get over the line. He doesn't have that critical cool theory. Clutch, yeah, just get he it. He doesn't done. have that Bill Belichick, that Andy Reid, where situational you know, when it all football, comes, yeah, situational yeah. football, exactly. He doesn't seem to have that down. And I think that's massive. But I think if he was fired, he'd get a defensive coordinator job like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and yeah, some guys are better cut that way, you know. Uh, all right, let's get to your Cincinnati Bengals propo. How are you feeling? I'm angry. Mm. I'm weirdly angry about this because I just think that. It's just really disrespectful what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals right now in terms mm. of the narrative surrounding the team and everyone's focusing so much on that Baltimore Ravens performance. I said on this mm. podcast, that was never going to be an easy game. We've already played this team twice. Right. That defense was probably one of the strongest defenses in the playoffs going yep. into this game. Tyler Huntley was obviously almost playing for his career at that point. Yep. Harbaugh was throwing everything at the Bengals because he hates the Bengals. This rivalry is really mm-hmm. intense. It was never going to be an easy game for them. Mm-hmm. Yet the Cincinnati Bengals find, find found a way to win. And right. it felt like throughout this season, people were kind of un- coming to understand that it wasn't just luck. Everyone said the, mm-hmm. the playoff run last year was luck. The defensive plays that they made in the clutch moments. It always seemed to be fortunate. This Bengals team was incredibly fortunate. It felt like everyone was finally realizing that, do you know what? If you've got Lou Anarumo, Joe Mm -hmm. Burrow, and this receiving core, you can beat any team on any day. Mm -hmm. We still have those three things. We were still like an Aaron Donald not being a superhuman away from winning a Super Bowl because Jamar Chase was open on that play. And everyone's talking about, yes, we've had three weeks with three offensive line injuries and they're huge. I'm not saying that they're not going to have an impact. Of course, they're going to have an impact. It's so unfair and I'm upset, but that's sport. But Mm. the things we still have is Joe Burrow, Lou Anarumo and this receiving core. Mm -hmm. And, Joe Burrow has been so impressive this season. He has been, he's improved from last season. He's got much better at decision-making. His pocket presence has got significantly better. Speed of release as well. Speed of release. He's the second quickest speed of release in the NFL this Mm. season. And what does that counteract? Having a poor offensive line. Right. So realistically, as much as I understand that, the Buffalo Bills will be able to get pressure. Sean McDermott is a defensive coach. He's going to scheme up all sorts to try and cause Joe Burrow problems. I don't think he's going to cause us as many problems with this team that doesn't have Von Miller and is a completely different team without Von Miller in terms of generating pressure against the quarterback. I don't think he's going to be able to have as much success as Harbaugh did, as the Baltimore Ravens did last week. And I think Joe Burrow... In a playoff game, he's got more playoff wins than any Cincinnati Bengals quarterback in history mm. already. He always seems to come up. It's not with high bar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love, I love Gilbert, but come on, come on. Shush, shush. No, no I'm, I'm spreading ben my Anderson narrative love here. It, but come on. I've got okay, the whole. Sure. I've heard the Bills sorry. narrative all week long. Okay, right, I'm here. You go. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, let I, me I, pick I my points back. out. This is my back. situational takes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Skip. Um, and now I've lost my train of thought, Matt. You said he's had more playoff wins than any other Bengals quarterback. He's in had history. more playoff wins than any other uh, Bengals quarterback in history. And he's only mm-hmm. obviously in his third year. He's improving week on week. He has all of his receivers. He has Hayden Hurst back. Mm-hmm. And also, do you know what happened when Jonah Williams went out last week? That Tell first me. play? 
He went on a 12-play, 83-yard touchdown drive. And that's right. with three backup linemen against this Ravens defense. So you can talk about this offensive line as much as you want, but we still have Joe Burrow. And as we've been talking that, the number yeah. has moved even further out. The what? Buffalo Bills are getting five and a half points. This is all a narrative that's going towards the Cincinnati Bengals being incredibly motivated going into this game and being disrespected ultimately just because they've got offensive line issues. They've mm-hmm. been banged up all season long. We lost our best cornerback, Chidobi Awuzie, in the middle of the season and the defense somehow got better mm-hmm. because of what Lou's doing. Their linebackers are playing sensationally. Logan Wilson was unbelievable last week and he has been all season. So was Jermaine mm-hmm. Pratt. DJ Reader still continues to be one of the best run defenders in the league mm-hmm. and Sam Hubbard obviously the Ohio boy made the play of the season people can say oh that's happened what twice in past 100 playoff games that you've had a one yard uh, a fumble return from the one yard line a 98 yard fumble return but the Bengals make these plays regularly because of what Luana Rumo does because of the cohesion right. of defensive players and I think it's a disrespect that you're talking about the team that got to the Super Bowl last year that's already got what went to Tennessee Titans who were the number one seed one in Tennessee with mm-hmm. Joe Burrow taking nine sacks by the way in that mm-hmm. with a terrible offensive line yeah right exactly yeah then they went to Arrowhead only managed to pop three points I think they overcame what a 21 point deficit in the second half in Arrowhead with a terrible offensive line going up against the likes of Chris Jones and Frank Clark this I get it. I understand why Buffalo are favoured in this game. I do. I understand the issues with the offensive line. I understand how bad that offence looked last week. But at the same time, this Bengals team is way too good to be a five and a half point underdog going Mm -hmm. up against a Buffalo Bills team that's only just scraped past the Skylar Thompson-led Miami Dolphins. And yes, I know they were very fortunate, the Dolphins. And yes, I know. I'm not sure they were fortunate. Okay. All right. couple of things. Firstly... Can calm always. down a little bit. Proper. Proper. Take, Love your passion. Take, take your breath. We're going to go break. put you in a little quiet booth. And there's going to be, we'll get some of the guru's um, meditation. How long was that? Was that like 10 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> We're two hours into the show now. Just to, be, just to be clear. Any any listeners still with us? You know what we are going to do is going to get you in one booth. I'm Mike in another booth. And you could just both rant about... The Bengals being disrespected and officials, respectively. And we're yeah. just going to put that out as some kind of podcast <laughs> mashup in the offseason. Uh, well, okay. Firstly, I totally agree with pretty much everything that you said. Firstly, on the offensive line issues. I don't think it's going to be as much of a factor against the Bills as it could be against other teams. Mm-hmm. For example, looking at the numbers since Von Miller's gone down, Bills, mm. post Von Miller's injury, 18th in pressure, mm. 21 in pressure to sack conversion rate. They're not really making, hey, middle of the pack, just below, right? Doesn't It's not like, oh, the Bengals are up against the Eagles here. And hey, we maybe see that in a few weeks' time. But right now, I don't worry about that too much. Even if they do get to Joey B, and we've talked about the speed increase in terms of his release rate. What did he say? He's ranked second in the NFL? Second in the NFL. I know this might seem like a crazy comparison, but when the season started and everybody said, I'm not sure about the Bucks and Brady because of the offensive line, nobody pointed out, really, or the, many people pointed out, is eh, Brady can release the ball pretty fast. Now, in a better offense, that offensive line's inefficiencies, deficiencies wouldn't have been a problem. And that's what we're seeing here to a large extent with this iteration of the Bengals. They are a year on, despite the banged up line, Burrow 
is able to cope with those problems if they do occur. And we've just established they might not occur better than he did last year. And last year went pretty well. Mm -hmm. I look at this Bills offense and I watched, of course, the entirety of the Dolphins game. Yes, you can look at the breaks and we started the show early on in the show talking about the, the missteps from Allen, but a lot of those missteps were caused by the pressure that the dolphins were getting. They allowed in that game pressure on 32% of his dropbacks. Um, and of course they got no to one's Allen talking about that. Are they seven times? Right. And you're now, and look, the dolphins D stepped up, but you got Hendrickson, you got Hubbard. I think that is going to be a really, really key battle. The trenches there. Furthermore, if you look at the offensive matchup, I don't think it's close. Diggs did slump a bit. Unsurprisingly, big game against Miami and is top, top, top tier. I'm not really convinced about Cole Beasley had a couple of key plays in the game against Miami. Can you rely on Cole Beasley to get stuff done? Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, Gesicki too. Ahmed as well at one stage, key, crucial, crucial drops in that game. That mm -hmm. If they'd caught them, Miami probably would have won that game. Miami with Skylar Thompson probably would have won that game. Oh, I'm not going to add any more to it, any more to your brilliant, brilliant analysis and impassioned rant. This is my Drew Lock of the Week. I love it. I love it. You're the only person giving us any respect. I am on it. I love it. I love the fact the line's got up even more because I will take that. Lock it in. Drew lock it in my Drew lock of the week. Yeah, I absolutely love that, Nat. To be completely honest with you, and I'm very excited because uh, you'll be with me, and we can go through this together. Even if the Bengals don't manage to win, I think five and a half points is simply too much. Yes, there's a Projo split. There's a lot of cash coming in on the Buffalo Bills, and there's a lot of tickets on the Cincinnati Bengals because I think obviously the Joes will look at this and say this is too simply too big a number for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think the pros think that the Buffalo Bills will be able to exploit this offensive line. There's more money on the under as well. I think I like the over. I the under's like king the of over. Plumpton going for the over in it. Yeah, I think I do like the over in this game. I might, I don't know, because we're going to end up backing the Bengals. I might even wait now, to be completely honest with you, because I think this number could get gonna go up. I think well, this number's going to keep going up, because I think all of the pros and all of the cash is going to keep going in on the Bills, because they seem to be dead set on this idea that this offensive line isn't strong enough. I think it's a great shout. I'm going to look, it, it seems it's gone up during the recording of the show. I'm more than happy to wait until the weekend to see if it climbs even higher. Well, Propo, let's get the perspective of Crystal Tom, who's dropped by now, looking, may I say, sharp, Crystal Tom, dressed in black, <laughs> ominously. He's got not only a black hoodie, but a black cap as well. I'm not sure. We're actually that... all dressed in black. We are all dressed in black. That's true. We're mourning yeah. the Green Bay Packers' uh, failure yeah. to make it to this stage of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. You're still in mourning now. What about Aaron Rodgers clearly leaving your team uh, based on the comments right. he's given in the last 24 hours? Yeah, well, he did this last year as well, didn't he? And then surprisingly mm -hmm. signed a contract while Devontae Adams headed elsewhere. So who knows what to expect in the offseason, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Jordan Love, whether it's someone yeah. else. Brady, in the next Brady, year. I can see it. I can see it. It's a switch. They'll make a, they'll make a trade. Uh, we've just been talking about Propos Bengals. You missed an impassioned rant. I mean, there's a great episode <laughs> of The West Wing. Um, Propo won't have seen that series either. Called no. The Stackhouse Filibuster. Do you know what a filibuster is? I don't know. It was a filibuster. Member of the Senate um, holds the floor 
and gives as long a speech as they can. They're not allowed to take a break. They're not allowed to sit down. <laughs> I think they're allowed water and that's it. But they have to just keep on talking. And it basically just stalls get legislation getting passed. And the Stackhouse filibuster, this guy, he's an old boy, old senator, does about 14 hours or something. It's ridiculous. Propose close to that. <laughs> we'll call it the propo filibuster about the disrespect, Crystal Tom, the Bengals have been receiving in this game. And ominously for propo and Bengals Nation, I have locked in the Bengals with the points as my Drew Lock of the Week. Have you? That's very interesting. That is very interesting. Now, I don't know whether to go into too much detail about the game now as I'm going to include it in the Taylor Heineke Yaka. But what I will say is I do think the line is wrong. Five and a half point underdogs Mm. is pretty big, isn't it? I mean, I was expecting two and a half points, maybe three, Mm -hmm. but five and a half. It seems like the market is really favouring Buffalo in this spot. Uh, Okay, well, yeah, the points are critical. I'm interested, you're obviously going to take Buffalo in your Heineke-Telehaneke-Yaki. Yeah, you are. Okay. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Why don't we wrap up, because uh, we've done three of the games, so we're going to wrap up the slate, and then we'll get your Heineke-Yaki, and we'll get your Drew Lock of the Week. We haven't had your Drew Lock of the Week yet, Propo. No, we haven't. Are we saving it for this game? We are saving it for this game. Mm, let's do it then. Dallas-San Francisco, the 49ers, despite the fact they are now the favourites to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. They surpassed the Eagles. Am I right? Is that right, Crystal Tom? They are, are they the favorites on SBK? Yeah, they are. A lot of buzz, of course, about the 49ers, Red Hot offense, Brock Purdy's Brady, Mark Dew. Only three and a half points. Is that right? Yeah, three and a half points. I could not believe it. I literally Mm. couldn't believe it. I, I looked at this line and I thought, what? Surely there's an injury that I've missed or... Brock Purdy's not playing or Debo Samuel's had a, a recurrence of his injury, but no, three and a half point favourites, apparently. People were impressed by Dallas last week, were they? Is this what it is? Is the public just coming in because it's America's team anyway? They always overbet the Cowboys? Is that what we're seeing? I think so, because uh, I see no other reason why this should be just a three and a half point line. Now, do I go with my Drew Lock of the Week already? Do I go straight into it? Yeah, fly into I love it. it. Fly go, into go, it. go. Yeah, so my Drew Lock of the Week is the San Francisco 49ers minus three and a half. Um, The reasons for this, not only do I love the line I've just previously touched on, but surely this just stands out as the sore thumb of all these matchups where the line is inevitably wrong. I mean, I have reasonably strong opinions on the other games, but there are imponderables and other worries there. So I think Philly and Kansas City, for example, have had a, a bye week, a layoff. So maybe they're rusty in the first quarter. You don't know, therefore, if they're covered the spread, even if you fancy them to win. And then the other game between Buffalo and Cincinnati, as we've just touched on there, uh, could go either way. It could also be a scrap. It could be a blowout. So it's a really hard game to assess. Mm. On the other hand, we just know plenty about both the 49ers and the Cowboys. San Francisco, as I've said on, I think, every single SBK Edge Rush Extra podcast for the last two or three months on my fancy to win the Super Bowl. And their wildcard matchup last week against the Seahawks just did little to put me off that viewpoint. They totaled 505 yards on offense, racked up 41 points. They've now scored 33 or more points in six of their last seven games, by the way. And aside from Seattle's two touchdown drives in the second quarter and then one in garbage time, when the game was already won for San Francisco, the 49ers defense only allowed 107 yards on seven drives. Now, I know that's a big chunk of the game I've just taken out there in two touchdown drives and another touchdown at the end of the game. But garbage time touchdowns mean nothing. The game was already won. They weren't playing proper defense. They were just playing contained to waste some time. And the first two touchdowns in the second quarter there were two big plays, one from Tyler Lockett, the other from DK Metcalf, 50-yard touchdown pass. So aside from that, the defense of San Francisco really did show up against uh, the Seahawks, despite the scoreline maybe not suggesting that. Now, I know the Cowboys are a bigger threat than the Seahawks. Dak played better last week against Tampa than he has done for a few weeks. 
But the Bucs just didn't show up at all yet again. But they still racked up almost 400 yards of total offense and converted 10 of 18 third downs, which I think is crucial. If the 49ers keep piling up those third down conversions, surely they're just going to rack up the score. And when Dallas can't even kick an extra point, let alone a field goal with Brett Maher right now, you've got to take the 49ers. I would be back in the minus five and a half. So minus three and a half, I think is very fair. I do really like it. I, I also think this number is just a little bit too low. And I think it it stinks a little bit. It's my only fear, I have to say, is it's like when you see a number like this, I mean, you you work for a bookies. You know that you guys have usually got you up to your tricks. You usually are doing it for a reason. And it's always quite tough. Like Nat's usually the person who sees the line and he just goes for it. He'll see a line too short and he'll just immediately be like, yeah, I'm taking that line. It's way too short. And then I'm the person who always overthinks it. And I'm like, oh no, but they've done it for a reason. And I'm going to back the bookies <laughs> because the house always wins. In this scenario, I am leaning towards taking the 49ers. I have to say, like, I think that they are just a much better team. My only fear is, and I know that he kind of came through that rough period in the early part of the game. Brock Purdy, I thought, showed some weakness last week against Seahawks, especially early on in that game. And I thought there was a, probably about three throws that probably should have been in, intercepted. I think in the first quarter alone, yes, he improved massively, but I don't know if he's come up against a defensive line like the Dallas Cowboys so far this season. And I think Micah Parson, I know the 49ers have an incredible offensive line. Obviously they have Trent Williams, who's an immovable object, but the way that Dan Quinn utilizes Micah Parsons on that team scares me because I think he'll draw up and scheme up certain plays, which means that Parsons will be able to get to Brock Purdy. And Purdy was excellent last week at running away from the pressure. Parsons is rapid. He is absolutely rapid. And I think he'll be able to get to Purdy. That being said, three and a half is still such a short number. And when you've got the weapons, the 49ers do. I mean, they look shaky at moments against Seahawks. But then you have Debo Samuel break off a big run. You have CMC break off a big run. Every time it looked like Purdy was bit, was was shaky, Samuel would be like, don't worry, I'll just take it from here. Or Christian McCaffrey would be like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just take it from here. And I think whilst they've got that, the 49ers have an excellent chance at having success. And I think that three and a half are not, 100% on it, I have to say, and I know you're probably going to text me at four in the morning on Monday morning with Ollie Thornton quotation marks 2023. I'm not 100% on it. Uh, but at the same time, I think that it is the right play and I completely understand why you're taking three and a half. You know, the other thing on this that um, has to factor is the travel for the short week and the travel for Dallas, right? So it's not fair, is it? Why do they have a Monday night game? It isn't fair. And it's, and it's a Florida to California hall as well. I mean, it's a massive disadvantage f- for the Cowboys. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Crystal Tom, I think it's going to be comfortable for the 49ers. What do we think of the total in this? Well, that moves me on to my uh, <laughs> Drew Lock of the Week. I'm going to go with under 46 in this matchup. I think that these are... Despite the fact that you have so many great weapons, despite the fact you've got Pollard, you've got Zeke, you've got C.D. Lamb for the Cowboys, you've got, obviously, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, we just discussed it there, the amount of weapons that the 49ers have. I think this is going to be a defensive-led game. I think you're going to see some incredible scheming from Dan Quinn. I think you're going to see it from the other side of the ball. The 49ers are not going to let the Cowboys run. I don't think Zeke or Pollard's going to be able to get going on the ground. I think that's going to force Dak Prescott to try and make plays, which is usually when we see him make mistakes. I think the secondary, yes, they didn't look necessarily that great against DK Metcalf last week, but there's a very different matchup going up against CeeDee Lamb. No one has the size or the playmaking ability 
I don't think, uh, on this Cowboys receiving core. And I think the 49ers will go in it very happy to control the clock, to control time of possession. They will just want to run the ball. Dallas Cowboys aren't that great at stopping the run. The secondary is a little bit tenuous as well. But I think they want to take this game out of Brock Purdy's hands. This is, and I know people keep saying it's Brock Purdy's first playoff game. This is Brock Purdy's whatever. And I don't buy into that narrative. But this is the 49ers against the Cowboys on essentially Sunday night football in the divisional round of the playoffs. No matter who your rookie is, no matter Mm -hmm. how accomplished he is, no matter how composed he is, we're talking about a guy who literally looks 12 years old here, by the way, as well. I mean, I can't believe how young this guy looks. And he looks like quite, you know, I'd say I'd push it to say... 14 and a really surly teenager. Yeah, Yeah, literally. Especially when he banged his chest as well last week and shouting at Brandon Ayuk for not making the right route. He did look properly surly. But I just don't think they're going to want to risk putting the ball in his hands too much. Mm. And I think they think that the recipe for success here to cover the spread, which Tom Collins would love to see, and to win this game and to get to the conference championship... To run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Use Shanahan's MO, right? I mean, look at the exactly. look at the Garoppolo Super Bowl run. I mean, oh, we were out in Miami for that, mm-hmm. and what was it? Everybody remember the NFC Championship game that got in there. Was everybody was talking about? Well, are they going to let are they going to let Garoppolo air it out a bit more? Look at how they got hit. Shanahan doesn't care situationally. He won't care if Purdy has eleven passes all day. No, <laughs> all, all he won't care. I I think it's a great shout. Uh, so that is your Drew Lock of the Week. The under. under 46 is my Drew Lock of the Week. Get it now. Lock it up. Lock it's it my up. hint because it's going to go down. There's a lot of pro money coming in. Do you the think under. so? I wonder whether people would just bet up because bet, uh, it's Dallas. It's prime time. So maybe it's not a bad shout, but I think it's, I think we could see it going down to about 45, 44 and a half and then potentially bet back up on Sunday night. Mm. What are you saying, Crystal Tom? Yeah, I like the under. There's been a bit of cash actually with SBK on under 45.5 already. So mm. uh, yeah, that line might come down. If we're including it in the bet blouder, that's 10 to 11 right now. Should we whack in two more selections? Let's do it. Yeah, so the 49 is minus three and a half. Asma Drew Lock has to go in there. Also 10 to 11, so a decent price. The other one, I mean, I had a look across all of our markets, trying to find some value, but also trying to find a, a reliable uh, option because last week I made that stupid mistake. What was I doing, by the way? Over three and a half field goals in the Dallas game. Maha <laughs> couldn't even get the point. It was ridiculous. Oh, my God. That's probably not a bad bet this week is for Marte. Um, yeah, I mean, bounce back week is logical, right? I mean, he'll he'll probably be on fire this week. hundred percent. A week too late, though. Uh, so I'm avoiding <laughs> all kickers this week. Um, and actually, I'm going to go down a different route. And I've never put up or even backed uh, this selection before, which is the 49ers to win the second half at 7-10 to 10 currently. Now, before I go into why, these three selections in a bet blouder would pay just over 5-1 to one with SBK. So you're getting mm-hmm. good odds here. Um, but the 49ers to win the second half, the reason is, in the 49ers' last 11 games, which includes last week's clash against the Seahawks and basically takes you back to when they started their winning run against the Rams, they have won the second half nine times, tied once and lost once. In five of those 11 games, they were actually losing or tied at half time. They seem to be a team that progresses as the game gets on, mm-hmm. gets better. They're very clutch in clutch situations as well. This defense tightens up. Brock Purdy and the play calling is fantastic in the fourth quarter. So I just love 7-10 to 10 about this. You know, this is probably one of my favourite plays of the weekend, let alone a selection in the bet blouder. I'll be singling this option as well. Mm, love we, that. Can I ask you both a quick question? Yeah. Speaking of that Super Bowl you just mentioned that, does it not feel like we're destined for a Niners-Chiefs rematch? <sighs> I, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess it does. But then this, uh, we were 
talking about the wide open, we have been talking about how wide open uh, the field is full stop. The NFC, I take your point that there was clearly two tiers, but it would not surprise me if any of, uh, for either or other of the Eagles or the 49ers are there. And you can apply that with all three of Bengals, Chiefs, and Bills, right? So, yeah, probably. And they're the two, the top two favorites, right? I mean, it's, mm. that's what that's what the book is saying. SBK are saying that it's going to be but, uh, a 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl. And uh, what would you like to see? I mean, oh, obviously you want the Bengals, but so maybe I'll ask you that, Tom. What Super Bowl would you most like to see? Well, I want the 49ers to be there from a personal level, but also at the same time, I think they're uh, the most exciting team uh, in the NFC right now. Eagles aside, uh, I don't know. I'm still not sold on the Eagles. I think they're just a better version of the Vikings, quite unpredictable. Mm. Um, on the AFC side, either the Chiefs or the Bills would be my idea mm. of the best viewing point for a neutral. Um, just for... <laughs> bang, out, bang out of order. I yeah, think it's a shot fire. Well, I'm about to Piers Morgan. I was about <laughs> yeah. to walk off then. Do you know what, do you know what I want to see? Giants, what? Jags. <laughs> yes. that, would be, that would be amazing Giants Jags that game. would be sensational the one that I want to see and this is slightly because I'm going to be in Arizona and I mm. think this would just be an incredible week imagine the atmosphere in the build up if it's Eagles Bills wow those two the, fan, the bases. fan bases yeah. will be we, oh, you kind of want that what do we want next year in Vegas I mean, that would be great in Vegas. No, that I mean, would be carnage in Vegas. <laughs> you can have Raiders fans there anyway, because it's their home patch. The Raiders yeah. fans are milling around, so we don't worry about it. I would say, I would say, mm, Bears. I mean, this, is, this is likely. Oh, we don't want, we never want the Bears at the Super Bowl now. Never want the Bears. Oh, there. come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair point, Packers fans. Um, all right, I'm going to say Vegas Super Bowl. I think it's going to be the Eagles again. Best it's fan Eagles bases. Bills. It's Why Eagles did it? Bills. Jeez, it's sure. pretty, pretty, oh, New Orleans. What am I talking about? Oh, the Saints, the Saints fans in Vegas, hands down. Yeah, but you've got to have the Bills jumping through tables. If the Bills make it to Super Bowl, I'm going to try and overrun like four and a half tables. I'm going to jump through while I'm there. <laughs> I want that on video. I want to film with that. All right. Uh, let's get into the Taylor Heineke Yaka. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the Taylor Haneke Yaka is having a resurgence, you know. This week, this season's actually been pretty good. We've had four wins in the last nine weeks for the Taylor Haneke Yaka. And actually, if you place a £10 bet on the Yaka with SBK in that time frame, you'd have netted a profit of £55 by now. 61% ROI, if you like the mathematics. Strictly there. business. I think, you've had, I, love I think you've had more wins than that. Are you sure? I'm not sure, but that's why I tell it myself. <laughs> if, if you can make it five or six, I'd be more than happy. I think it is five or six. When did you start? I think you only lost, like, you had a bad run right. where you lost, like, three in a row, and then that was about it. You're getting it mixed up with me, proper. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely was... not. The reason why is yeah. I'm thinking that me and Nat are never going to have to do a Heineke Yaka ever again. Oh, because God, of God, no. Cards. Yeah. He, Crystal Tom was breaking down the ROI there like he worked for Axe Capital. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was amazing. I love that. He's All a, right, so He's yeah. a stripper. He's a <laughs> stock market. That's he's amazing. a book. He's a tipster. It's, it's amazing everything. what he does, yeah. The multifaceted Crystal Tom. <laughs> All right. So, uh, where we go with it? Well, before we get into the selections, is this the last Taylor Heineke of the season? Next week, there's only two games, right? Does that still count? Yeah, I think we do a double. We do a Taylor. We, we do did, a double. We last year, yeah, yeah. We did we'll like a Taylor, double. Yeah, we'll yeah. do a Taylor Heineke yeah. double. And then what we'll do is we'll do, well, I guess it's not an Acker, Heineke Acker, but the, obviously the bet louder for the Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So the penultimate Taylor Heineke Acker, here we go. Yeah, not original go. at all either, because I'm taking all four favourites this week. Now, that sounds stupid. It sounds like anyone could pick that. And I know people at home will be listening and thinking that, but... 
If you play all four favourites, you're getting five to two with SVK. That's kind of the price I've been looking at every week for the Taylor Heineke and it's worked so far. Mm-hmm. And I think there are some obvious winners here. Let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs game. I think they'll beat the Jags. I don't really foresee a world in which Jacksonville progress, to be honest, even mm-hmm. if KC starts slowly. Could turn it into a shootout. And if it does, I'd want KC on my side. If it turns into a physical scrap, I'd want KC on my side. They just have too many weapons. I don't envisage the Jaguars stopping them on mm-hmm. a regular enough basis to win. Also taking the Eagles to beat the Giants. Now, I'm not as confident that the Eagles will progress as many. Um, I liked how the Giants played last week. Isaiah Hodgins has become a a real big part of the offense and he was open on a consistent basis. But yet again, New York needs to get Saquon Barkley rolling and the Eagles, in the last three times they faced the Giants, have held Saquon to a total of 100 yards off uh, rushing yards. So if if Saquon can't get going, the Eagles win this game. Mm -hmm. And I know you don't like trends, Nat. But the Eagles are fifteen and three against the Giants since twenty thirteen. Ah, because that that game in two thousand and fifteen is crucial <laughs> to how this is going to play out. Fair point. <laughs> well, I think with divisional rivals, maybe slightly more. But uh, yeah, I completely hear your your point there. Um, of course, third selection, the Forty Nine ers to beat the Cowboys for all reasons previously mentioned in the Drew Lock, and that leaves us with the final game, which is the Bills and the Bengals. Now. I did debate switching to Cincinnati here, probably, I have to say. Um, because they're 2-1 to one twins straight up, that would have been a great price. Oh, yeah, nice. A lot of value, isn't there? Yeah, lots of value there. And if you included uh, the Bengals in, in this uh, Taylor Heineke instead of the Bills, you'd be getting 6-1 to one rather than 5-2. to two. So it, there is value. But I just think the Bills win this game. Mm. Uh, you know, not only are they heating up, which they quite clearly are, they're on a winning streak. I think that little shock last week against Miami will spark some impetus into Josh Allen and this coaching staff. I think they're going to be much more sharp, sharper this week. I think their play calling is going to be better. And also, I think they've got added motivation coming into this game because of what happened in week 17 with the injury to DeMar Hamlin. Now, I know it wasn't T. Higgins' fault. There's no bad blood between the two sides. But facing the Bengals is just going to mean that little bit extra for the Bills after what happened. And as I say, I think they're going to be sharper. If they can get points going from the outset, I think the Bills' D will tighten up in the in the fourth quarter and hold uh, Joe Burrow in this offense to limited gains. So, yeah, four money line favorites for this uh, Taylor Heineke, the penultimate Taylor Heineke. But five to two, I think it's a fair price. Let's end or nearly end on a high. I like that. I like that, Crystal Tom. One thing I'd say on that final game you mentioned: go back and listen earlier on in the episode about. 24 minutes into Ollie's rant, <laughs> you'll hear you'll hear some uh, arguments against why uh, why he feels the Bengals, and indeed I, I obviously doubled that as well on that. The Bengals uh, might cause the Bills some problems. Uh, so I wonder, I might take your Taylor, who am I to back against Crystal Tom, but I might take your alternate Taylor Heineke Yaka and sneak <laughs> the Bengals in for, for the bigger big. Right, uh, let's wrap things up with Propos Prop Bets the week on the back, may I say, of a sensational prop bet weekend for Propo. So you got to double down, my friend. You feel it Yeah, I know, but you're doing the Nat Coombs thing where mm. I, it was a sensational weekend for me, but I only gave out three picks on the pod and it was turn one. You know, ah. Nat does this thing, Tom, where he gives out loads of picks on, where he gives out like five picks on the podcast, but then turns up the next week and celebrates all the picks that he didn't give out on the podcast that won. <laughs> okay, <laughs> or, or, yeah, Glasser, thank you, Tom. Or picks like uh, Miami plus 14, for example, <laughs> <laughs> which absolutely rolled on me, I'd say. All right, come on then, Prop King of Plumpton, let's go. Uh, so again, similar to you, Tom, like these may sound quite obvious and I've already mentioned a couple of them uh, so far in this podcast, but just sort of to hone in on these points, couple of stars. One I'm going to start with is Travis Kelsey to go over 74 and a half receiving yards for the Chiefs against the Jaguars. 
Over the course of the season, the Jags have allowed an average of five receptions over 60 yards to tight ends per game. And we're talking about a team that came last in their division last year and is in the AFC South. So they have not actually had to come up against top tight ends regularly. And Kelsey, of course, is exactly that. And his playoff record is sensational with Kansas City and with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. The past three playoff campaigns for Casey, Kelsey has averaged over six receptions and over 80 yards per game. So I like him to continue that here. My next one, Nat, goes back to a conversation we actually had when we were building up to the first matchup against the, for the Buffalo Bills against the Cincinnati Bengals. And this does go against my Bengals. But I do think that they're going to be able to have success against our secondary and against our cornerbacks, especially on the outside. We've already spoken about it, and this is a narrative going into it that does fear me. Stefan Diggs, I think, will be able to score a touchdown. We've already spoken about how good he's been over the past couple of weeks. He's had 100-plus yards and 7-plus receptions in both games, and he's been incredible in getting separation for Josh Allen, burning corners, and he's been going up against much better corners than Eli Apple in those scenarios, <laughs> and that is who he's Eli. matching up against yeah. in this game, and it does... It does scare me, I have to say, and I expect him to have a big day, and that includes getting into the end zone. And my final one, I've already mentioned it, the New York Giants, they can't stop tight ends. And TJ Hawkinson obviously uh, put essentially on them not once, but twice in the past three weeks. He was electric last week, especially. And this number's too low. Dallas got it over 47 and a half receiving yards. What? Got, yeah, got it averages 58 yards per game anyway. And in nine of 12 games, got it has hit the over on this yards anyway. So I like the same in this week going up against a Giants team who have struggled against tight ends all season. So I, that's, I mean, honestly, if I was going to say what my Drew Lock of the week, that would probably be it. Dallas got it over 47 and a half receiving yards. And that's going to that. go up. I'm all over that. I love that. Brilliant stuff. Prop O. And indeed, back at your Crystal Tom, fine work from the pair of you sharps. If you want to get involved, remember, gamble responsibly, begambleaware.org. And there is, of course, an offer. Did you mention it earlier? I don't know. I'll plug it again either way. Over on SBK, if you open an account, bet £10, £30 of free bets, right? Yeah, spot on. You know the drill. Spot on. I'm glad I got that right after 18 weeks of the regular season to add into the second round of playoffs. Uh, speaking of the second round of playoffs, we have got more where that came from over on SBK edge rush extra me and crystal Tom breaking down more angles for these games. So go uh, and check that out over on YouTube. We'll post a link to that. We're also going to push it out on the NC show feed as we did last week. And it was great to see so many of you downloading that and getting involved with that. So a little bit of bonus playoff fun for you. SBK edge rush extra dropping on our feed and over on YouTube as well. Go check out that link. Uh, Mike in the vault, uh, proper mentioned earlier. Go and check that episode out as well. He's back on Monday. We are back next week. There's FFS as well in between. Uh, I will be catching up with the Guru Sandrini tomorrow morning as we're recording this on Thursday. So keep your ears peeled because that is going to be out in the vault some point very, very soon. Propo, Crystal Tom, saluting you both. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, one more plug for us. Sunday night, me and Propo on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> one more plug for us Saturday night <laughs> I can turn up on Sunday night if you want well didn't you say earlier we'll be watching the uh, the Bengals-Bills game That's no no I said last week I forgot which game we covered last week I forgot which game we covered yeah, yeah. Uh, we are live on TalkSport 2 from 9 o'clock join us for that and enjoy uh, all the action I'm sure you yourself see you soon bye for now Podcast Network.